Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. So this might be a little short episode. Yeah. Um, just because this week's been crazy. As we said last week, we are moving the factory. It's a it's a big move. It's always bigger than you think it's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, it's always it's amazing how much stuff you accumulate over two and a half years. Even in the engineering department alone. Yeah. Um actually most of that stuff too was like our personal stuff. Yeah. And we had to load up our I had to load up my Jeep and Steven had to load up his truck yesterday and just like haul all our crap home. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, next Monday we get to haul it all back. That's right. <laughs> We're the department of toys for sure. Yeah, yeah. And gadgets. Um, so yeah, we were loading up the, uh, the, the, uh, new shop that's, uh, actually only a couple of miles away from this place. Actually, we're, I guess the old one's actually only a couple of miles away from this place too. Yeah. Well, the, it, I'm, I'm happy that the, uh, the new shop's a lot closer to home. Cuts yeah. my drive in half. Yeah. Which is nice. Yep. Um, so yeah, today we were moving into like moving all the, uh, machines in. We had yep. people come in and move all those uh, all that stuff over, finishing up the electrical work. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing this morning, basically helping the electricians. Like, basically, because all our machines all use different plugs and all different kind of phases and all different voltages. So we had to make sure everything was right. And I, I like about three hours ago, we turned everything on and everything worked. Wow. <laughs> everything was first time, too. Like, we even wired up the compressor right, mm-hmm. and so it turned the right direction. Wow. Yeah, because it's a three-phase motor. So if you have two of the legs swapped, yeah. it'll run the opposite direction. So, yeah, it's uh, earlier this morning, all the machines were in the, the old location. Yes. So in in effectively... Six one, hours. Yeah, six hours, we <laughs> got them into a new location and fully wired up. And by fully wired up, that doesn't necessarily mean that the wires were present. We You, you had to run some new wiring, yeah. right? Yeah, we actually had to run... Um, because uh, the pick and place uses three phase, and they forgot it ran three phase, and so we actually had to run three phase. Oh wow! Um, but they got it all done. And, and the it, the oven runs uh, three phase too, right? Yes. So uh, did you just tap off of? That? No, no, they ran a whole new run. A whole new run, yeah. and we got it all. The uh, electrical uh, contract or electrical inspector came in. Signed it all off. Oh, we got the thumbprint. Yeah, it's, there's one more to go. And I think it's actually going on right now, mm-hmm. um, which is the last inspection before we can say everyone can come over and work there. Fantastic. That's actually a, a little bit ahead of what, what uh, we were talking about. Yeah, I think we were talking about, like, Friday was when the last thumbprint would go down. Right. And so hopefully that will happen tonight. So, yeah, tomorrow uh, is the big the hall, the hall, because that's like every all this, little that's, thing that's, is going. Yeah, that's all the other stuff because that stuff's still at the old fab. Um, so yeah, all the machines are hooked up, and that, that also includes all the uh, plumbing for air. Mm-hmm. And I actually made sure that all worked. I turned on the compressor, pressurized the new hard lines up, made sure that all worked, mm-hmm. and we were because we ran um, at the old shop. We were running rubber hose everywhere on right. the uh, on the uh, cable rack. Mm-hmm. And this time we actually had, you know, since we had like months of planning for this place, we actually ran three quarter inch uh, iron hard line. Yeah, all which the way is down. awesome. Yeah, because and I, I, I read the pressure with flow. Yeah, there's like only like two psi drop. That's over awesome. that entire. No, it's like a hundred foot run. <laughs> so uh, 
uh, we have a handful of machines that are, are using the, the airlines, right? We got, we got three different airlines going in. Two. Two? Yeah. I thought there was three. Yeah, the My 500, which is the paste machine, right. runs off the pneumatic air, mm-hmm. and the selective solder does. The pick and place has its own supply. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And we got that all running. Um, the uh, yeah, all the electrical's done. I think I think it's just moving all the benches and all the devs over and all uh, developers over and mm. all the personnel. Well, and the weekend's going to be a crazy setup. Oh time. yeah, yeah, that's going to be a long. Got got to, We're we're minimizing our downtime to almost nothing. Yeah, because they were actually working, the assemblers were working today without the machines at the old fab, doing hand assembly, um, right. all that other stuff. We made sure we built a backlog of, of work yep. that could be done while the machines are getting moved. But, I mean, if the machines are already up and running, that's fantastic. Because yeah. um, the my data guy, or my chronic guy, is actually coming in, because he was there today putting together the machines again. Right. And he'll be there tomorrow morning to calibrate Right, and we're setting up the conveyors. Yes, so we can have a full conveyor line. Oh, that's already up. Yep. Oh, awesome. So I was at the old shop today uh, and uh, doing some computer work there. Uh, so I, w- I was at the new shop yesterday, taping off the locations for where everything goes. So I, I haven't seen all the machines in there yet. It still looks big. It's huge. Yeah. It, well, it, in comparison to what we had before, which was honestly, you know, it's it's not small what we had before, but the new place is awesome. Yeah, the new place is 11,000 square feet. The old shop was 5,000. It's, it's just the layout. The problem with the old shop is it had the loading bays kind of like in the middle of the whole area. Well, and one of the loading bays is a, is a full-on ramp, full that, on ramp. That, that intersects the area. Yeah, and so it takes up a lot of space. Was new spot, the manufacturing floor is only 3,400 square feet, mm. but since it's just one big chunk, yeah, it's it's easier for the line to fill it up. Right. That right. makes sense. It's more efficient. Well, and, and, and it has a shape such that it's easier to do process flow. Yes. Uh, Everything can go one direction. One direction, as opposed to what we, we had previously was a, kind of a handful of loops yep. that had to be uh, worked out. So I like the straight in line. You look at the left side, that's where you start. You go all the way to the right side, that's where you end, yep. which makes it super nice. Yeah, so next week I am probably going to do a video walkthrough and post it online. Awesome. For our new shop. Great. So it'll be a lot of fun. Probably do that on Wednesday-ish. Cool. Uh, so yeah, that's the move. It's very tiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been having to get up early, and tomorrow I'm be getting up even earlier to get to shop early. Yeah, just to make sure that we start putting stuff together. Yeah, we've we've put in a couple a couple late nights already. Uh, yesterday was insane. Yesterday we, we was had really to pull late. down all the uh, old electrical conduit basically because we were because um, we needed some of the plugs for the new shop mm-hmm. and. Just pulling that stuff down last night at like seven o'clock, it was that was a chore. Well, we were running the machines till like five thirty, six uh, o'clock, or later. Yeah, yeah, we were running the machines all the way, and and the oven had to be the last thing to turn off because we were still running panels through the oven. I mean, this was, I mean, the downtime is just nothing, yep. which which is which is. I'm glad we got it done that quickly. Yeah, it's because it's crazy. But tomorrow is going to be. All manual labor, just moving boxes, moving yep. stuff, and tables, set, setting stuff up, yeah. bolting the benches back together. Yeah, all that stuff. you know what? Let's let's take an image. Um, let's take a picture of the engineering department dry. Okay, and then and then take a picture once we get all of our 
stuff in um, there. Robert was in there today taping off because the we would be sharing the uh, inventory area. Yeah, the warehousing right. is actually going to be part engineering. Yeah, and, and Ro- so, Robert's our logistics guy. Yeah, so he was taping off where all the um, uh, pallet racks will be going, mm. and it, it's actually perfect. See, he measured it all out, and it stops right at that. Um, at the bump out? The bump out. Oh, perfect. There's a little spot where there's like a, a, a pillar that goes up to the ceiling. Mm. And it like it like the, it ends right there. It's like perfect. It perfectly bisects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we have about a quarter to maybe a third of the room, something like that. It's about a quarter. Yeah. It's still pretty big. It's about four times larger than our old space for engineering. Right. Yeah. With the same amount of engineers. So yeah. <laughs> we, get, we get a lot more well, space. Well, and then there's the big, we actually have a huge new common room too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be pretty nice. I was actually thinking, like, we should build a little cart that's got a power supply, multimeter, scope, soldering irons, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we could wheel it out of engineering, like, when we actually want to be social. <laughs> wheel it out. and <laughs> Wait, wait, the wait. Common area. How is that aiding your social <laughs> capability? And that sounds like a real Well, because you're working in, like, with other people. Oh. Instead so of by so yourself. Social as in, like, working next to somebody yes. else. Yes. Instead of, like, in your room by yourself. I don't take my soldering iron when I want to socialize with people. Yeah. But yeah <laughs> it doesn't, so it doesn't can, work so very I'll well. So put it on the cart, and you can wheel it out, and then you can be in the common room yeah. while yeah. We, debugging hardware. Yeah, you're talking about the donut, right? Yeah, yeah, the donut. So, so, the do- so yeah, if you, if you look at the plans, the common room is a donut with the kitchen and the bathrooms in the middle. Yes. So, yeah, once one big leg of the donut is uh, is uh, the common room, and then the other section is where the developers will be at, and they're, they're going to have, um, like, I think third height cubicles, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So they'll have uh, their own space that they can be in. I at first I think the place is going to feel a little bit uh, empty. Empty, yeah. Uh but but we have we certainly have aggressive growth plans so it'll it'll not feel empty fast. Correct. Well cool. Yeah, yeah. next week we'll have to give a give a an update. Yep. Shit is burning down. <laughs> <laughs> um And then this weekend this is kind of like not a uh, macrofab thing, but so I've been trying to figure out how to add Bluetooth to my Jeep radio. Sure, and it's a stock radio, um, and so I found this. I know you can like just go and buy a faceplate that has Bluetooth and all that stuff, but that defeats the point, right? What, what point is that? To make it look like it's, it belongs in a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> so you want it to look as stock as possible. Stock as possible, because the problem with the Jeep is, it's a Jeep. You know, it's a soft top. You. You can just steal whatever out of it, and so it's like a ninety-nine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's anything that's fancy looking will get stolen immediately. Mm. So the stock radio won't, it'll never get stolen, right? It's only like I think like I bought when my last one went out. I bought this one for twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I bought this Bluetooth adapter. Um, that's it's a Bluetooth audio adapter mm-hmm. that has a barrel jack and then a a uh, output um, 3.5 millimeter audio jack. Yeah. And I actually tested this last night. I plugged uh, 12 volts into it, and then I was able to Bluetooth connect to it with my phone and stream audio over it. And actually, it's pretty good quality. Yeah. All for like 20 bucks. Nice. And so I'm going to try to hack that into the radio um, through the tape part. So I'm going to have to follow some circuitry, 
basically have a tape in it and then, and then basically make a headphone probe and kind of like poke at stuff until I find the audio trace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then hack that. And so I'll have a button on the dash where I click the button and it switches from um, tape to Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. And so that way I can still use the tape deck because, you know, you really want to do that. You, you know what might actually be uh, make things easy is it should be fairly obvious where the audio amp is. Yes. Uh, if you work from there backwards, there's somewhere in in the chain backwards is going to be a mixer yep. somewhere. Slap a resistor and your your input into that, and it's game over. Yeah. You basically you can just jump your your signal right into there, and and Bob's your uncle. Yep. Yeah, that's that's probably the easiest, especially with the age of it. The chips are going to be fairly obvious, and it's not going to be like a whole bunch of QFN crap. Yeah. yeah. It's probably going to be it's like a bunch of. Hole. It is. It's through. Yeah, okay, I've I was going to one of these before. I thought it would be like SYC eights or something no, like that, which those are hole. still easy. Yeah, yeah. No, this, this thing's all through hole. Um, and the best thing about it is a lot of the parts are modules. So like, there's an AM module that's like a uh, it's like a SIP package oh, RF shield thing that that's plugs in. Super easy. And then there's an FM one, and then there's a a uh, amplifier part, and then there's a cassette part. Oh well, okay. Well, that, I mean, that makes it even easier because you you know what modules to yeah, not even you know look pins, at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, what happened when my last radio is the FM module went out. Yeah, and I actually was able to find I found that data sheet for that module. Yeah, um, which was interesting because they discontinued it in 1995, and Chrysler was using this radio up to like 2002. So I bet you they bought a f- crap ton of these modules. When they like end the life them. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. So just there was just a them. warehouse just completely filled with yeah. them. Yeah. And and it was probably one of those things where there was fifteen executive meetings to decide do we use these or not? Do we end of life them? Do we throw them away? And they decided to exhaust the stock. Yeah. I guarantee stock. you it was that way. Yep. So cool. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to let us know. If yeah, that I'm gonna works. try hacking that on on. Sunday. Or if the whole thing goes up in smoke. Yeah, I'm not to buy a new twenty dollar radio. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm gonna do that on Sunday because Saturday is gonna be, you know, finishing Macrofab's new fab. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. RFO. RFO sounds good. Um. So the big news of yesterday, yeah, yesterday, so it'll be Wednesday, mm-hmm. was the NXP. We actually talked about this as a rumor couple podcasts ago but the nxp qualcomm buyout is actually legit and it is an insane 38 billion dollars wow we talk about this this like acquisition stuff a lot but what's interesting is nxp bought freescale too for some obscene like 10 billion something like that yeah how much money does nxp have a lot yeah well yeah a lot so what is um what is nxp what is their main shtick what you know you know when I uh, when I started getting into electronics, mm-hmm. um, all I know NXP from is trying to sell me really expensive parts at like a surplus store. Yeah, yeah, because you see all the NXP stuff. It's like here's a five 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 timer wait, for eight dollars. I think you're talking about NTE. Is it NTE? That's NTE. Ah, NTE is the trolls of the electronics uh, world. They find old obsolete chips. They either buy the stock or remanufacture them and then sell them at, like, 15 times the cost. That's it. Yeah. Man. I think NXP, they have their own line of, of they processors. They do Yeah. Yeah, they do, they do processors, but they do huge-scale 
uh, high, high quantity processors. Um, their data sheets are kind of weird. Yeah, they do some low, sc- uh, low stuff, and they they have a uh, you know seventy four hundred series stuff. Yeah. Um, well, everyone does that. Um, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. If there's like one factory in China that produces it for everyone. The seventy four hundred series. Oh, that would not surprise me. It's at just all. A, it's like a factory the size of like it's, yeah, the, uh, like Rhode Island. And 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 if you, if you look at a top down view of the building, it's like seventy four hundred. Yeah, is the, same, like the, the address the is seven four zero zero. Yeah, right. They have different wings that are like HD and, and all yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. seven four zero zero Silicon Way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, though, we joke about that. I bet you there's some truth to it. Yeah, a little bit of truth. Yeah, um, I know NXP also. They do some like uh, individual transistors and stuff like that. They just they're kind of weird because they're they're not they're 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 a little bit hard to get your hands on onesies twosies parts. Yeah. Well, it's like ST Micro. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, ST Micro is very industrial, and they mainly do high volume microcontroller stuff. But you can get, well, I guess ST Micro in recent years has been a lot easier to get a hold of. But it used to be you just couldn't, you know, do it. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably why AVR and PIC are so fundamental in the hobbyist and maker community. Uh, something I read not too long ago. I don't. I don't know exactly how accurate it is. It's in industry. Pick is the biggest, um, uh, or the most often chose uh, huh. chip. Is that because old crusty gray beards use them? Probably, uh, and and they learned in like the the eighties. So you're so 90s. when people coming in. The your manager is one of those. Your engineering manager, and he goes, "You must use this pick line." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We though. got like eight billion of them in the in the warehouse back here. <laughs> well, New or old or, stock. or you know they bought the the five hundred dollar uh, evaluation package and Ugh. they think that they have to use it because they paid for that. <laughs> yeah, P- picks actually don't have their their dev boards are not cheap. No, well, it's only been recently that development boards have actually like plummeted in price. Yeah, and, and I you could probably actually thank Arduino for that. You know, yeah, yeah, I bet you could. Um, just because there wasn't, I mean, like, yeah, if you needed it, you would be willing to spend the money. Yeah, because my TI development board when I was in college, that thing was like 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, and that used the TI Straya, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I, I remember back in high school, I was looking at some some programmers that were like universal programmers. Uh, basically, it's just a plastic box with a ZIF socket on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like 600 bucks yep. uh, back in the day. I mean, they had they, they were able to do like cross-platform programming, so they did have some whiz-bang magic in there. You know, remember remember the old chips where there was programming lines you'd have to pull up to 12 volts? Yeah, to negative enable. 12 volts or oh, something yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, you'd have, you'd have to like way over-voltage it. And so if you were trying to do it on a breadboard, you'd have to build that whole 12 volts. It was yeah. just a pain in the ass. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, programmers nowadays are, what, five bucks? And, and a, lot of t- a lot of chips have uh, built-in just bootloaders. So you can just push serial into well, it. Well, yeah, 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 right. But, but I, I mean, so, so that, all of that probably drives down the cost of dev boards. Yep. Quite a bit, probably. Because, I mean, no one would want to pay 300 bucks for a dev board anymore. No. Unless it's, like, something very specific. Yeah. I, th- I think the first dev board I bought 
was the uh, in fact we we used to have it at the fab. I took it home the other day. The uh, the pick dem. Oh, the Pick Lab. Pick Lab. Lab. That's what it was. It, yeah, and we actually developed the macro watch on that. Yeah, right. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, it, it, it was nice because it has the header that, that yes. matches up with the uh, the Pick Kit. Yep. So I bought, I think it was 120 bucks. I bought a Pick Kit and the Pick Lab together. Uh, that was, gosh, that was seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. Something like that. It was very nice. It was, well, the great thing is you just plugged in the Pick. Yep. And then you plugged in your Pick Kit. Yes. And it all, that was all wired up, and so you just put power, and that, and it worked. Well, you could tell the pick kit to power it. Yes. Uh, so it's just that was it. I mean, it was a nice little environment, and it was especially nice about eight years ago. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was good stuff. That was a that was a bit of a sidetrack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last RFO item is the uh, this old botnet IoT thing. Yeah. I think we touched on this last week. Um, came out this week that there's a Chinese DVR manufacturer called oh uh Zhangmei uh Zhongmei Zhongmei something like that yeah uh we'll put it we'll spell it correctly below uh in the uh, <laughs> uh podcast notes and we both butchered it yeah um so this this company actually is where most of these security cameras came from mm-hmm. that are exposed like this right right and they so they had a like newsletter that came out blaming the customers what yeah what? <laughs> um thinks the end user is to blame if you actually translate it um it's like 4.3 million devices mm-hmm. that they're they're actually going to recall these oh okay. right um so it's like 4.3 million pre-2015 cameras yeah and like almost all of them are in the states and in europe sure um, and the reasoning why is because they have hard-coded factory default passcodes. <laughs> so this is not even like a hack. Like yeah. someone didn't hack these cameras. Someone just used the default passwords. <laughs> right. That, that, that does not constitute and, a hack. And, and they're hard-coded. So even if the user changed the password, mm-hmm. you could still get in with these. Wait, they were hardware passwords? Hard-coded passwords. Oh, geez. So even if you changed it... If you change the admin password, you can still get in. So if you knew, was it one password or was it a string of passwords? One password. One password for all 4.3 million? I think so, yeah. Oh, geez. That's a mistake. Um, Now, they could update the firmware, but users will never do that. So they're they're recalling all these guys. Yeah. Um, I was reading the Hackaday article about this, and a a user, I can't remember the guy's name. I'll, I'll credit him in the podcast notes. But he had a really cool idea is how to get people to update these mm-hmm. is write a botnet that logs into these these things these uh cameras yeah and then uploads the firmware to the cameras huh just like have the company bot botnet their own cameras to update the firmware yeah why couldn't they do that? yeah why couldn't they do that i mean it doesn't guarantee success that's no. i mean that's probably why they would recall it but that's 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 a great idea yeah i like that idea um and again, this begs the question is, you know, with IoT taking off, mm. um, I think there needs to be a body like the FCC or CE like stamp for internet security. Yeah. So like a big test suite that gets run on your device that basically attacks, you know, most vectors mm-hmm. and tries to break your device via network instead of ESD or emissions or 
you know, uh, line spikes, transients, that kind of stuff. Wow. So you basically have to plug in or connect to a network, and then they have a computer that attacks your your device. And then you you pass can, or fail. Yeah, pass or fail, and you can and then you put their stamp on your device. Yep. It'd be awesome if it was like a crosshairs or something like that. The 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 symbol, like you know, an attack crosshair. Oh yeah, I was thinking something like, uh, almost like the old um, uh, Game Spy logo. Oh, the one with the, the dude, spy guy? The, the spy guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, put that on there for No, like how funny hacker. would it be if it was, uh, you know, the old Mad comics, the Spy versus Spy? Oh, Spy versus Spy <laughs> guy? Those guys. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, I think. It's like, it's like, or like, do like a generic hacker kind of guy, or I don't know. The Hackaday logo. Hackaday logo, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I wonder how long it's going to take for that to... Because you can already, you know, pay someone a lot of money... To, for them to test your device, mm-hmm. but that's not required to sell this stuff. I'm sure there's already services that you could pay for somebody to try to break through. Yeah, but there's no no requirement for it. Yeah, and it might be like the FCC has to add this in for a web a web device. You have to pass. But why would the FCC care? Well, the FCC had to basically weather the whole storm with the internet being all you know messed up this past week. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, I don't know. It seems like the FCC would care about just the thing functioning. Not the thing functioning properly, but the thing, the way it functions. Yeah, so it might have to be a different, it might be like a, you know how you usually have to get like an ETL or UL? Yep. And then a FCC, and then whatever this other stamp is. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things where as we get more connected, people will start demanding that. Yeah. Well, I don't think users will really ever care. I don't know. Users don't... When it comes down to safety, people... uh, Protecting your identity and protecting your belongings. Yeah, no one cares. No one goes and... (laughs) Nobody cares. No no one buys the latest iPhone because, ooh, it's got a CE stamp on it. Does it have a CE stamp on it? Yeah, it does. Where? On the bottom. When you flip the phone over at the bottom, it has the CE... It has the FCC and CE engraved in it. Huh. I don't have an iPhone. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I, no, my phone, you take the back cover off and it's on the inside. But yeah, no one really, no customer goes to like like Best Buy and goes, is that TV FCC CE certified? <laughs> they say, what? It's 600 bucks? It's a, and it's 60 inches in diagonal? <laughs> diagonal. What? <laughs> Only we do that. Yeah. Only we are searching on the box for Yeah, looking on the back. CE. Oh, I wonder if that's a valid FCC ID. <laughs> I wonder how much chromium is in this. And cadmium. And cadmium, yeah. Is this, is this lead-free? Is it Rojas certified? <laughs> yeah, no one asks that stuff. No, nobody. No. no. Um, which is why the government basically has to force manufacturers to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and uh, other governments too. Yes, because if a let's say you built a phone that you didn't have to do FCC CE, so you could sell it for twenty bucks cheaper than another phone, and they oh. look exactly the same. It would be full of lead. It'd be full. It'd be full of lead and like radiate like crazy. But it's twenty dollars cheaper. More people would buy the twenty dollars cheaper one. Oh, you know it. Yeah, and they'd be dropping calls all the time. <laughs> they turn it on and it's like. Wipes out everyone's cellular, cellular in like a hundred foot radius of your phone. There, there is a reason why we have these regulations. Yep, they suck to go through, and and get your product. But there's a reason. Yeah. So yeah, I think in the 
that is going to have to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Some kind of governing body. Yeah. The Hackers Coalition, HC, the <laughs> HC stamp. I for some reason I don't think that's going to fly. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. No, no, it's probably going to be something way more boring. Uh, the SE stamp. What's that? Security. Security enabled. Yes, yeah, security enabled. Something I could like see that. that one working. Yeah, something I could like that. absolutely see that one working. Yep. Well, I think that'll do it for uh, for this week's podcast. This was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We were your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. Take it easy, guys. And that was episode 39. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me see if I can remember this one. So Heisenberg, Schrodinger, and Ohm were all riding in a car. Okay. And a cop pulls them over. And the cop... Uh, Heisenberg is driving, and the cop goes, do you know how fast you're going? Heisenberg goes, no, but I know where I'm at. Uh, and the cop said, you're going 35 and a 55. And Heisenberg goes, great, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> the cop goes, I got to search your car. He goes back to the trunk and lifts it up, and there's a dead cat in there. And he goes, you guys know you have a dead cat in there? And he goes, everyone goes, we do now. <laughs> and then, yeah, Schrodinger, yeah, Schrodinger says it. And then, and then, uh, uh, the cop goes, well, I'm going to have to take you boys downtown and ohm resist. <laughs> <laughs>